1: from KQED.
0: Mike, check, check one, check two, are we here? All right, we're here right now-ish. Hey, what's up y'all, welcome to Right Now-ish. I'm your host, Penn. Today's guest is Deep East Oakland's own Amir Abdul-Shakur, AKA Amir the Photographer. Earlier this summer, my social media timeline was full of Black Lives Matter posts and police brutality videos and pictures of protests. And as I was scrolling, there was this one image that stopped me in my tracks or um, stopped me in my scroll, if you will. And then I realized it was by Amir. I've been following his work for some time. See, I'm a fan of both the photography he does and the East Bay community that he covers. That's why his work speaks to me. I mean, this year, 2020 has been weird, but it's made for some moving photos. Visuals that are heart touching and anger inducing and stomach turning. But Amir's shots have been prideful, strong, beautiful. And in the midst of everything, lightweight, joyous. It's like he's using the images of black folks and people of color as a means to combat oppression. But that's just what I'm seeing from the outside. So I had to get the full story on the photo that caught my eye and the mindset of the photographer behind the lens. All of that coming up in a flash.
1: behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's
0: podcasts with
1: an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your
0: support. What jumped out to me recently was a photo you took. It's the image of a person. They're beautifully sculpted, muscular, can you describe that photo and like what you were thinking when you took it?
2: That photo of a young woman who's a fitness expert uh, named Zara, her and a group of friends were out doing hack and sack or something like that and playing the game and just having a good time. And I was, as a photographer, I was like, you know what? Let me capture that moment. So took a picture of that. And as I'm about to leave, Zara stops me and is like, hey, I got one for you. What are we you talking about? Right. And then she does the, the <laughs> muscular pose. I'm like, all right, <laughs> um, you know, I was like, okay. It was just a dope shot. And I think it symbolizes just black strength and uh, and beauty and resilience. It's full frame. It's full of color.
0: The way the lighting hits her skin, it's like, they say in, in a museum, it stops you in your tracks. I guess like now I'm looking at it on my phone. So it kind of stops me in my scroll. I'm like, whoa, whoa.
2: My thesis is really just to try to paint us in a beautiful light. That's kind of, for me, it's been always my aesthetic from day one, it just, I really focus on a lot of joy and a lot of happiness and a lot of real, real emotion. I started in 2018 at the Black Joy Parade, just taking a a regular camera and just trying to kind of document what I felt at the moment was history. And so since then, it's always been about elevating Black people and showing the beauty, and unfortunately, humanizing us.
0: Was there a moment, that, was there something that pushed
2: you over the top? You were like, yo, I gotta start doing this right now? 2016, 17, my family was a part of a PBS documentary called The Talk, uh, Race in America, which focuses on law enforcement and how parents of color, particularly black parents, have conversations about law enforcement with their, with their children. As people of color, we prepare our kids for the, for the world as, as much as possible. As much as I would love it for him to be carefree, I know in my parenting that I do things intentionally to prepare him as a protective mechanism. And so we got a, a camera because from there we thought we was gonna, you know, we was gonna do a family channel and do vlogging. Fast forward to 2018, the Black Joy Parade comes about, and I'm like, I got this brand new camera. I got no shots on it, let me just take it out. And so I went out there, shot some images, one and grew to two, two, and so forth. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Okay. And I want to backtrack something. There's something you said about you and your family. It made me think back to that photo that I, I found when I was digging through my archives earlier this summer. It's from 2012 or 2011. And it's you and your, your wife and your son, and he's really young, and you're in the lobby of an apartment. It was my, my first apartment, you know? So I remember, I remember, you know, like this when we first crossed paths. And that, that building is on 13th and Webster. I just I just wanted to know where where were you at in life at that point?
2: If I remember correctly, that was a community event. I want to say it was probably about tenant rights or something. It was it was something, you know, at the, at the time with just being a new father and just bringing my my son just to to everything that I've been, you know, been trying to do. I've been doing that ever since he's been alive. So, we go to community events, we travel, just trying to give him a different experience than which I, you know, grew up in.
0: That's interesting to me because your identity as a black man, your partner's identity as a Latina woman, you're both Muslim. I imagine you have a lot to talk about with your son. How do you address everything, <laughs> all of that?
2: We we try to keep it real as much as possible. Trying to expose my son Zaire to just things that I didn't experience growing up. So, you know, going to basketball games, going to the movies, you know, just be, just trying to expose him to different things. Yeah, that's all I've been trying to do.
0: Gotcha. Does he understand what's going on currently with uh, addressing police brutality and...
2: Absolutely. For an eight-year-old, he's very, very much in tune with what's going on. Because, I mean, just the work that we do in general is kind of is, is privy to that. Even as far as police brutality, we're, even our, our family, we're dealing with a very personal kind of tragedy. On June 2nd, in Vallejo, uh, a young man named Sean Montarosa was uh, killed by law enforcement. And so my wife, Nancy, uh, was his mentor for almost three years. So uh, when that murder happened, it really kind of hit my family hard. And we still are dealing with that, so he knows about what's going on.
0: That's heavy, man. My condolences. I I can't even imagine, man. What do you What do you tell him?
2: Yeah, this is a very difficult. This is This is a very difficult time to be black and to be a parent, and to, it's a very scary time. It's a very troubling time. It's a very revolutionary time. Yeah, I, I can't really describe anything like it. To be in a pandemic and then a racial pandemic. And to have these conversations and to be, you know, in the house cooped up and just trying to make sense of it, yeah.
0: I've experienced some sort of, like, cognitive dissonance where, like, I'll be writing about oppression and Black death and in the background Sesame Street is on. Like, do you ever have that kind of
2: interaction? Because he's still a kid, right? Kids nowadays are just in a whole different—I mean, I don't remember thinking about race and about these things as as in the 90s. And 90s was bad. Like, 90s in in East Oakland was horrible. (laughs) So— to think about it now, I mean, every time you turn on the, the the news and the media, that's all you see. And so just trying to talk about it, but then let him do his thing, so he's definitely a gamer. Just trying to take him out of just what's what's going on sometimes. You mentioned growing up in East Oakland. Where'd you grow up? 96 and Sunnyside. That's, um, yeah, stomping grounds.
0: So growing up on 96 and Sunnyside in East Oakland in the 90s, how did that inform your perspective?
2: Things were rough. Um, Even though it was a a lot of violence, a lot of things that happened, I still remember just Carter Park and and free lunch in the summers. I still remember uh, Flea Taylor and and Rick and and people with Parks and Rec that just gave us the opportunity to to show us that there was more to just life than than East Oakland. I can remember Dr. John Cook, principal over at Cox, and and Keith Joseph Atkins, who gave young black boys like me a chance to to take us out of there. Even as a a youngster, I had an opportunity to go and speak at Stanford University about Kind of this topic now, kind of just racing the media. And this was in the early 90s and at the time, there was a very popular kidnapping. I, don't, I mean, we were about the same age, so like a uh, poly class was really big. I remember speaking in front of, you know, hundreds of media professionals and talking about, you know, media representation. So for me, the stuff I do as a photographer, it, it kind of goes back to even when I was a child talking about media representation and why um, this poly class case gets, um, you know, aired on the news, but when a black kid does, it doesn't make it. That stuff was happening 30 years ago. It feels like it's full circle for me to come back as a creative, controlling the narrative, and now being able to, to put out images, whatever images I want.
0: It's so tight to see the seeds planted. Like little did you know, you know, they will
2: grow into this. My goal is to change the world. This is a historic time, and I wouldn't be in no other place in the world to be honest. Historically, you can't talk about human rights or civil rights without mentioning Oakland. So I'm very blessed to be a photographer in this city at this time.
0: To Amir, I will have to say thank you. Thank you for your photography. Your images are a service to the community. Audience members out there, you can keep up with Amir's work on Instagram at Amir the photographer. That's Amir spelled A-M-I-R, the photographer, all one word on Instagram. And he's also a photographer for the Black Men Smile Project. You can catch that at blackmensmile.com. While I'm giving out thank yous, gotta give a big shout out to the home team that made this podcast possible. That's my producer, Ashley Ann Krigbaum, our editor, Jessica Plachik, the higher-ups at KQED, Erica Aguilar, Holly Kernan, and David Marcus. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw, asking you all to spread the word about the podcast, let a friend know what we've got going on, pass it along. Thanks. Y'all have a good one. Peace. Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy, and you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.